Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. It is officially football season. It's game week, Arizona versus BYU, and with that comes the return of the Wildcat Scoop podcast. I'm senior editor of Wildcat Authority, Jason Shear, and uh, yeah, we are, we're back. We're going to do multiple podcasts a week for football. Um, because Arizona has a game this upcoming weekend, the format's a little different, but normally we'll review the game on a Sunday unless it's 70-7, to 7, then I'm going to have technical difficulties. Uh, we'll talk about Jed Fish's press conferences on Monday and then preview the game uh, on Wednesday and Thursday and give you guys a prediction. Um, and the way the media goes, uh, it's Jed Fish press conferences on Monday. So, again, we'll have full coverage of that. Tuesdays, I believe we get coordinators and some players. And then Thursday, Jed Fish again. But, uh, you know, it, it, I figured with this one it's a good idea to talk about how fall camp went. Uh, you know, we, we wrote about it and we wrote our observations on Wildcat Authority, um, you know, after each practice, which was fun. It, it was nice being able to go into practice and see what was going on and being able to write about it. That did not happen under Kevin Sumlin. Um, hopefully we won't say his name much on this podcast and in future podcasts unless we're making fun of him. But um, that didn't happen. And it was very, very locked up and it was really difficult. And I actually I said this before. I think it's one of the reasons why he lost support so quickly. Yeah, he wasn't a good coach, but no one cared about Arizona football because you didn't care and didn't know the players. And one another thing that Jed Fish has done well in this offseason is allow us access to the players in practices and open it up in the carnival and all that because you're caring about this team. Like, there's a cool story? Good. Guess what? You're caring about this team. Uh, walk-ons got scholarships a couple weeks ago. Guess what? You talked to them the next day, all three of them. You read articles about them. You care about this football team, which isn't easy to do when you've lost, you know, 12 games in a row or whatever it is. It is difficult to do. And, you know, it, there's work to be done. Obviously, there's the on-field result and all that. But the one thing that you can't criticize Jed Fish for is he is all in. Um, and he is a guy that came to Arizona with the track record of being a job jumper. Um, that's what people called him. And, and his background kind of, you know, it showed that. His reason was, hey, I'm, I'm trying to become the best coach I could possibly be. Um, that's hard to convince people of, but he's done it. He, he absolutely has done it. He's hit the ground running. He's embraced the community. Rich Rod did a pretty good job at that at the beginning. It kind of tailed off. Kevin Sumlin didn't do that for a minute. And, and I think that besides on-the-field success, what happens is you lose interest. And when you lose interest, the players lose interest. And when the players lose interest, the coaches lose interest, and you lose football games. And it is a bad, bad recipe and kind of snowball effect. And Christian Young said it to me um, in an article on Wildcat Authority we have now. He said it best where if you know the coaches care about you, you're going to care about them because you're all in it together. And if the coaches don't care about you or you don't feel they care about you, you're playing you're still playing football for yourself but it's very limited you're like you know screw you kind of and, and that kind of feels like the insinuation from christian young was that that is what happened uh in the asu game he said i don't blame the players it's anyway he blamed the coaching staff 
So the players are the only ones that know the story. I tried to get the story out of him, but uh, I think he realized that he had already said too much. So that's kind of what happened last year. This year is different. Um, fall camp was, again, it was fun. There were some legitimate competitions. Um, and, and just we'll kind of start from the beginning uh, in, in terms of competitions, just general thoughts on some of the decisions that, uh, that Jed Fish made after fall camp or really throughout fall camp. The first one is, uh, is the obvious one at quarterback. And that may have been Jed Fish's first unpopular, at least questioned, decision that he's made since arriving to Arizona. So I figured I'd get some background. We were at every single practice. There's only three of us that were at every practice. Jed Fish has tweeted about us. But uh, we were. I was at every single practice. And at no point did I say to myself, this guy has won the quarterback competition. Whether it was Gunnar Cruz, Will Plummer, Jordan McLeod, at no point did I say, you know what, this thing is over. Um, it, the closest I came to it was with Gunnar Cruz. If I had to pick one quarterback to start against BYU and play against BYU, it would have been Gunnar Cruz. Would I feel great about it? Absolutely not. I wouldn't feel good about it at all. <laughs> and that's not to say Gunnar won't be good. Um, just kind of break it down for you. So you could break the quarterbacks into different categories. There's Gunnar Cruz, who is going to limit turnovers. Um, he is going to hold on to the ball and kind of over-process things, which leads to a slow release. So the biggest concern with Gunnar Cruz is that he's going to take a lot of sacks behind an offensive line that may not be great. We don't know. I actually think the offensive line is going to be improved with Brendan Carroll. I like their overall approach. I think their depth is better, but we don't really know. And if we're basing it on last season, Gunnar Cruz is going to get hit. He's not a very mobile quarterback. He's not immobile, but he's not known for his running. He hangs onto the ball. You worry about that. With Will Plummer, it's the opposite. I don't think he sees the field as well. And while he may have a higher ceiling and make some better throws than Gunnar Cruz, there's also the downside of that, which is bad interceptions. And his biggest problem throughout camp was head-scratching interceptions. Gunnar did throw interceptions because he didn't take a lot of risks. Will Plummer takes a lot of risks, and he'll make a spectacular play. And the spectacular play will be followed up by a turnover. And you're like, why, why are you throwing that ball? Um, Jordan McLeod, I'm not sure I disagree with Jed Fish, where he said if McLeod was here in the spring, it may have been a different competition. But you could see right away that McLeod wasn't going to be the guy because he never had those wow moments. He never had that moment where you said he's the guy. Instead, he turned the ball over more than any of the three quarterbacks. He may have had more turnovers than Cruz and Plummer combined. And when you're Jed Fish, there's questions about your defense. Ball control will likely be a part of the game. You can't have a quarterback in there that's going to turn the ball over. So the starter was never going to be Jordan McLeod. Had he gotten here in the spring, learned the offense, been more comfortable, more confident, sure, it is possible. But this was pretty much always a Cruz plumber decision. And it's tough. I actually think I, I'm not a fan of the two-quarterback system. I think you need to ride one of them. But I get this decision. I don't think it is a decision where it's Khalil Tate, where you're putting him in bad situations, you're taking him out after passes. It's just, it's dumb. Now, what I think is happening here is, Jedfish said, look, I couldn't tell one quarterback why they lost the competition over the other. And like I said before, I, I wouldn't be able to either. There really wasn't that big gap. And 
to be blunt, I'm not sure the answer at quarterback is currently on this roster. I don't have the confidence that the guys on this roster at quarterback are the answer for Jed Fish moving forward. What I do know and what you know is that they're what Jed Fish has. Like, it doesn't matter if they're not the answer moving forward. They have to be the answer for this season. And I don't think he has that answer yet. But I think we're going to get that answer pretty soon. Because even he said it, this two-quarterback system isn't going to last. One of these guys is going to emerge. It could happen as soon as the BYU game, where one guy plays like crap, one guy plays well. The guy that plays well is, uh, is clearly um, the starting quarterback moving forward. If you're asking me to guess who that is, I'd go with my original guess of Gunnar Cruz. But again, don't feel good about it. I don't expect Arizona to go out and score 49 points. I don't even know if I expect them to go out and score 28 points. I think the offense is going to struggle against BYU for a few reasons, which we'll get into later in the week. But you think you would think that we'd have answers, but it wouldn't surprise me if we went into the San Diego State game. Now, if you go into the first two games and no one has separated themselves at that point, that to me is a bad sign. Because I don't think Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer are night and day. It's not like you're dealing with Khalil Tate and Grant Cannell, where one guy's going to stay in the pocket for the most part and throw, and one guy's going to run out of the pocket as fast as he can. That's not the scenario. They're not extremely different quarterbacks. Um, now, is there a chance that the lights go on and both of them play great? I'd be surprised. I, I just would. I, it just Odds are against that. And that's not a knock on Plummer or Cruz. I think the odds on most teams in the country are against that. Um, you know, it, it's just it's situational football. I mean, you take a look at Ohio State. They got Jack Miller as their third quarterback. Um, they chose one guy. They could have easily, in terms of talent, chosen multiple guys. They chose one guy because they believe that one guy is going to be better than the others. So would you have liked to see Jed Fish have the confidence to pick one guy? Yeah, I, I probably. But do I understand his decision as to why he did it? Absolutely. Um, it is an issue. I think it is an issue moving forward for the season. There's no quarterback on the roster where I'm extremely confident in. But I don't think they left him with much of a choice. Now, the good thing is, I do think whoever is at quarterback has some very legitimate weapons based on what we saw during fall camp. Uh, for me, running back position is twofold. Number one, Michael Wiley is going to have the best season of his career. I'm extremely confident of that. I know that may not be saying much statistically, but he looks like a different type of human this year. Uh, he's stronger. He's faster. He's in better shape. He is absolutely the number one back on this roster. Um, I think he's a clear number one based on what we saw. Number two gets a little iffy. And the reason it gets iffy is actually a good reason as opposed to the quarterback situation. Uh, Drake Anderson, the transfer from Northwestern, it was widely assumed that he would be the second running back, if not the starter, when he first got to campus. And, and he's good. Don't get me wrong. But we need to discuss the emergence of Stevie Rocker. When Stevie Rocker committed to Arizona, I didn't really think twice of it. I didn't say to myself, man, this guy's going to be good. And in my defense, and Rocker said in an interview with us, he was injured very often in CDO. He had some bad games at CDO. The offensive line wasn't great. His statistics last season, they were not good. He dealt with injuries. So you're saying, hey, this kid gets injured at CDO. What's going to happen when he goes into college? Well, what happened was he participated in the spring. He participated in the fall, and he didn't miss one practice because of injury. And running back coach Scotty Graham said it's the first freshman he's ever seen at the position, maybe in general, that didn't miss any time because of an injury in his first camp. As a 17-year-old, 
didn't miss any time. And to me, he's emerged as the second back. Um, if he's not on the depth chart when we get it on Monday, he's 2B. You know, it's him and Drake Anderson. It's Wiley, and then it's Anderson and Rocker. Uh, the difference between them two is, without going out into too much detail, um, they will use Drake Anderson out wide, and they won't really use Rocker in that situation. So we saw some running back sets where Drake Anderson um, lines up in the backfield with another running back and then goes out wide as a true wide receiver, and he did very well uh, in those situations. I think you could see more of that from Anderson where he's used in passing downs as opposed to Rocker, where Rocker's more of just kind of a, a true you know, running back. But even beyond those three, I mean, you got Jalen John, uh, who's a solid running back. Um, you know, you got Bam Smith, who's kind of the forgotten guy, but he could be used in passing downs. And then we have, for my money, the best player in Arizona football history, uh, fullback Clay Markoff. Take a second to think about that. Fullback Clay Markoff. And they use him. It's not a BS fullback. Um, he's on walk-on. They got him to transfer from Washington State because that offense under Mike Leach was a disaster for him, and it didn't really get any better. But this dude is going to punish people. Scotty Graham said he's going to knock someone out this season, and he might. I mean, he's going to become one of your favorite players. Uh, they use him in passing downs. They've used him to run. They use him as a blocker. They use him on special teams as a lead blocker, where if a guy's running full speed at Taven Cunningham, guess what? you got to get through Clay Markoff first. Uh, he's awesome. I mean, he is an absolute truck. So it is a legitimate position that they're using on this roster, and it's 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 just fun to watch without spoiling too much. But he, he will be a part of this offense. Um, and then I think wide receiver is a position that Arizona fans can feel comfortable with, even with Jamari Joyner injured. Brian Castile is in great shape. Uh, he looks kind of poised to have the best season of his career. Tavian Cunningham had a fantastic camp put on six or seven pounds of pure muscle, didn't lose, didn't lose any speed. Uh, Jalen Johnson, Stanley Berryhill got the one jersey for a reason. He was one of the best offensive players throughout camp. Um, just a, a very strong core at the wide receiver position that will only get better uh, with Jamari Joyner and figuring he gets healthy. The offensive line is a bit of a question mark for me um, in terms of just overall quality. I think there's solid core. Uh, Brendan Carroll seems to be fine with it. Um, but I still think, you know, Peyton Fears worries me a little bit. Josh Donovan's a little bit inconsistent. Um, Jordan Morgan's been injured a little bit. But there's guys at least in the rotation. Edgar Barola will be a rotation guy. Josh Baker, I think, is going to he, – he's a year away from probably starting the rest of his career um, on the line. And I think you just take a look at those guys, and there's talent there. I just don't know how consistent that talent will be able to be this season. But again, I, I think that Brendan Carroll is actually a good coach. I know there's some questions about him in terms of background and all that, but he's one of these guys where you watch him coach and he's just having fun. And the players are listening to every word that he's put in. Um, they're having fun. They're enjoying what he's you know coaching, his coaching styles. He, he, he's, they listen to him. He's not a big yeller, but he knows when to get his point across. Um, but again, you, know, you kind of look at like the defensive side of the ball, certain positions there's just not a lot of talent at certain positions on this team for obvious reasons recruiting was bad the last few years Kevin Sumlin is fired for a reason Rich Rodriguez failed near the end at Arizona for a reason and so there's going to be talent gaps that are going to take a few years to fix and I think offensive line is kind of one of those where you know turning to recruiting a little bit people always ask me why 
are there no offers with the offensive line? Um, it's because they're looking for JUCO guys or immediate impact guys because they need to fix this line um, sooner than later. And so I think that's kind of just a, a realization of, hey, this line isn't loaded with talent, but we got to get these guys to give us the best they've got. And that goes back to the Gunner Cruz issue where I'm not sure how good they can be. Now, they could surprise me very much. It's hard to tell the quality of an offensive line in a fall camp going into defense like Don Brown's that is just blitzing the crap out of everybody every play. Um, it's a nightmare for any offensive line, and so it's, it's really difficult to evaluate. Uh, speaking of defense, I think you should be excited. And let me kind of preface that with, I'm not saying Arizona's defense is going to be really good. You should still be excited. And the reason is Marcel Yates and that type of defensive calling, Paul Rhodes, etc., it's gone. Arizona is going to be aggressive. They may let up some points because an aggressive defense is going to let up some points, but there's no more rushing three, dropping eight, and waiting to die by a thousand paper cuts. This is we're going to die because we're going to blitz half our defense and you happen to make a play. And so what I think people should be excited for is there's going to be a lot of sacks on this defense. Again, that's not necessarily saying that Arizona's defense isn't going to struggle at times, but it's going to struggle aggressively. And you could tell when you talk to these defensive players, you talk to Anthony Pandy, Jalen Harris, etc. these guys are excited. And Jalen Harris made a great case. He's like, look, I can drop into coverage. That's never been my strength. My strength is going to get the quarterback. And Don Brown said, look, what we do is we look at our defensive players, we figure out what they're good at, and we create packages that revolve around their strengths. And it's like, man, holy crap. Why didn't any other coach think of that? And it's it's what's going to happen. Like, if a guy is not good at third down pass coverage as a linebacker, he's not going to be on the field in third down pass coverage as a linebacker. It makes sense. And we haven't had a coach at Arizona that's done that in quite a while. So you're going to see a guy like Rashi Hodge Jr., who's a linebacker, who is really, really good in coverage. He's going to be in there, in my guess, every third down package because he could go out there and legitimately cover wide receivers as a linebacker. It's pretty impressive. That linebacking core, I think, is going to be the biggest wake-up call for Arizona fans because it looks completely different. It's almost weird when you watch it. You have Anthony Pandy, and you have Isaiah Johnson. And Isaiah Johnson, even if he doesn't start, we'll see the depth chart. I'm really curious about linebacker. But there's going to be a bunch of guys that play. You have Trey Hayward um, from Western Michigan who's coming on strong. He came late, so it kind of has taken him some time to, to learn some things on defense. But he's going to play. You have Hodge, who I mentioned. The surprise may be Jerry Roberts from Bowling Green. You didn't hear a lot about him. Um, but he's a guy where uh, he's good, really good against the run. He's gotten into the backfield consistently, and uh, he's just a guy where I, I think he's going to contribute. I, I really do. Um, and then after that, you uh, you have Vanderbilt transfer Kenny uh, Kenny Haber, and basically he, with him, it's it's injuries. When he's healthy, he's been starting. He's one of the three starters. The problem is is the same problem he's had the last few years with Vanderbilt, which is that uh, he struggles with injuries. So. You're going to see a rotation at linebacker, and it is a legitimately strong rotation, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I think when you're looking at the overall defense and you're trying to pick a most improved position, it's going to be very close between that um, and the defensive line. And the defensive line is 
again, it goes back to playing with controlled chaos, is what Don Brown says, and that they're trying to get at the quarterback as much as they possibly can. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see linebackers that are aggressive and opening holes up and gaps up for the defensive line. Jalen Harris is a lock to start. Trevon Mason is a lock to start. I think beyond that, it's a little more up in the air. Uh, Mo Diallo is a freak. I mean, for you to be on a fishing trip in Spain, arrive at campus and be with the first team defense basically in your second day, like a weekend at most, is just, it's a joke. And there's a reason why the guy is one of the, the best defensive linemen coming out of the MAC conference, and I, and I think he's really good. Like, I think he is the real deal. He's going to play at end, most likely. He probably took J.B. Brown's spot. J.B. Brown had to sit out for a week or so. Probably took his spot in that week. And even if he's not starting on the depth chart, he's going to play a ton, and he'll be starting by week two. Like, I'm, I'm very confident of that. It's just a matter of see ball, go get ball. Because it's the, the reality is no disrespect to defensive linemen. They don't have to know as much as a safety corner, etc. Their job is to see the ball and, uh, and go get the ball, basically. And, and that's what Diallo can do. I mean, he is legitimately good. And, and Arizona has a very good uh, pass rusher, in my opinion. Again, though, you worry about depth on the defensive line. Is J.B. Brown going to be able to bounce back? Um, I guess he is. But is he going to be able to bounce back and get healthy and, and get in shape? Aaron Blackwell, is he a guy that in his seventh year, can he take that step up? Um, Kion Bars is a guy that, you know, I didn't mention, but he could very well start. Uh, My guess is he won't be on that depth chart in the first, or he won't be the first team defensive lineman because he was injured. But if he gets healthy, he's another guy where, uh, you know, he's going to play a lot. And so that defensive line is going to take a very large jump. But again, it goes back to depth. You know, Regan Terry, um, can he get in there? Paris Shand. Can he get in there? Can those guys make sure that there's not a big drop-off when you got guys like Trevon Mason playing a ton? Can you take Trevon Mason off the field? Can you take Jalen Harris off the field? And not for extended amounts of time, but eventually, you know, these guys can't play every single down in a Don Brown defense. It just makes little sense. Cornerback, to me, is the biggest concern. I like Christian Roland Wallace. I think he's clearly one of the best cornerbacks in the conference, if not the country. He's going to prove it when he plays press press coverage and plays to his strength this year as opposed to backing off and playing zone. I think people are going to recognize how good Christian Roland Wallace is. Uh, Isaiah Rutherford is a guy where I have some questions, but I liked what I saw in camp. It's just a matter of how good is he when you see him on the field. I think he's going to be good. Pass those two, you get a little nervous. Tradon Stukes is a former walk-on. He's a little small. He's gained some weight. He's really athletic. But how good can he be? We don't really know. And then the fourth corner, nobody emerged. Mackenzie Barnes didn't have a good camp. Uh, it, Malik Hausman played at nickel, moved around a little bit, kind of disappeared a little bit at, at one point in camp. My guess is that they roll with Shaquille and Morgan, who's a freshman, who probably isn't strong enough right now, but has the cover ability to play in this system. Um, he may not be as comfortable as the other players with everything, but eventually you got to kind of go with that natural talent. And I think Jaquil and Morgan, uh, based on what I saw throughout camp, has enough natural talent to be able to be that fourth corner right now and travel to Vegas to be the fourth corner and get legitimate playing time. Safety is one that I'm really curious about, curious about on the depth chart uh, because there was some movement there near the end of camp. Jackson Turner kind of got displaced. They were rolling with Jaden Young and Gunnar Maldonado. At one point, they moved Jaden Young to nickel. So there's some movement there. 
Um, the good news is with Gunnar Maldonado, he kind of started off quietly in camp, and he really came on. It's it's hard to not start him, and he's another one of those guys where you may not start him, but he, he's going to see uh, plenty of playing time. Same with Jaden Young, same with Jackson Turner. Um, there's there's talent at the position, and um, I know people, other media members, that think that is the position that uh, all of a sudden is made the biggest jump from you know big concern going into camp to not as big coming out of camp. I realize that I've talked highly about this team, or at least it sounds like this on the podcast. I'm not about to say that Arizona is going to win a ton more than it, you know, going to go win six, seven games. I'm saying that there's reasons for optimism. And I still think Arizona is going to lose to BYU. I'm not picking that upset. But I think it's going to look different. The issue is that I'm not sure there's enough talent on this team in terms of depth and overall numbers for it to look different right away. I think that you're going to see some closer football games, and I think that it's kind of a a rebuild, a patience type of deal where you may not see all the results this season, but you'll kind of see the direction that Arizona's moving in. Um, and that's what we kind of saw during fall camp. You could tell that there's a different feeling in the culture on offense, defense, head coaching, etc. There just may not be enough talent to go in the right direction just yet in terms of results. So you'll see it. You'll see some gains, but Arizona is still going to lose a lot of football games this year because at the end of the day, you're often only as good as the guys on your team. And I'm not dissing the guys on the team. I don't want that to be what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there needs to be upgrades at certain positions, and that's going to take time. You don't get that in you know, half a recruiting class. And so you're seeing in recruiting now by which positions Arizona is addressing um, and kind of, you know, you, you kind of get a good feel for everything throughout fall camp. And uh, I do think the program is headed in the right direction, and, and I'm really curious to see how it does against BYU. Uh, with that being said, we will be back on Monday night and release another podcast detailing some things that Jedfish talked about in his press conference, and then we'll preview the BYU game um, later on in, in the week before we head to Vegas. We will be there um, in the press box at Allegiant Stadium, and uh, it should be fun. But before that, a couple podcasts press conference etc um so stay tuned for another one appreciate you for joining me we are back the wildcat scoop podcast senior editor jason shear and uh thanks a lot okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.